Hello, I'm Jeremy Leslie. Welcome to the Mag Culture Shop and our 18th podcast, for which I'm joined by the co-founder and editor of Port Magazine, Dan Crow. Dan's been out in the front of the shop looking at what we've got on sale. He's picked a few magazines and we're going to be flicking through them together before zeroing in on Port as it marks its 25th issue. Later, we'll hear an excerpt from our recent We Love Sport Night featuring Dan Sanderson from Mundial and Ro Jackson of Slow Magazine. And we'll end with our back issue, Finland's Casino A4, a long-term favourite of mine. But first, welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me. Um, now, before we come to port, we've been sort of ransacking the shop and pulling out some other magazines that have caught our attention. Um, you're flicking through the latest issue of, what is that, is that The Gentleman? Uh, yeah, 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 issue 21. What are you finding? That it's making me jealous, uh, <laughs> that it's really interesting, it looks so fresh. Um, yeah, everything a magazine should be, really. It's, it's teaching me stuff, it's showing me stuff that um, I didn't realise I liked. Um, and it just looks looks fantastically sort of fresh. I love it. Um, and th- 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 there's been um, there's been a few other favourites in recently. Um, one surprise to me was Varum, which is the illustration magazine, which has been ticking over nicely. It's gone through all sorts of iterations, but this new issue is really really exciting. I think because I, d- I don't really associate port necessarily with illustration. It's very photographic. Do you, do you use? It's very photographic, but we used do, to use illustration. I remember we used but to have it more in our wordy commentary section. Um, now we do have the odd illustration in there, but it is yeah. I guess it's just the odd illustration mm-hmm. rather than it being kind of an entire section. But you know we love it, and and Matt always kind of brings in um, the odd illustrator for our front of book section or, or to mm-hmm. illustrate an essay. But yeah, it's we should use it more. Well, well, what's in- intriguing about this issue, I mean, it's, it, uh, Varum is published by the Association of Illustrators, so it obviously highlights uh, the work of many illustrators. But this one's all about work that's been created without a narrative. I mean, the mm. sort of illustrations you're talking about yeah. relate to a piece of text, and the yeah. illustrator would have worked that text. This that's is material that doesn't work. So oh, it's wow. a bit more experimental, and oh, like it's uh, fascinating. There's a couple of things in particular... One is um, Merlin Strangeway's uh, work. She learnt um, traditional anatomical and medical illustration, but has since added an emotional side to it as well. So it combines correct physical art with a sort of emotional layer on top of it to kind of Mm. represent both physical and mental wellness, which is a fascinating kind of combination. That sounds really interesting. I mean, they're beautiful. It's beautiful work. There's great thought behind it. And then there was this other... These amazing things, which again I hadn't come across before, uh, a sort of game by Hervé Toulé, which is a, a, a series of parts for kids to make their own little worlds. Oh wow! Oh, uh, so they add to it or draw so, on top so, of it? Well, 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 you certainly could draw on it, but it's sort of oh, creating yeah, little cool. spaces. There's little bits that have been added. I think little bits of paper. Yeah, and stuff. lovely. But that opened my eyes to Having something some fun. I seen. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what else did you, you also pulled out? Um, um, so I pulled out, yeah, Gentlewoman uh, Interview Magazine. I think, mm-hmm. oh, I, God knows what happened to it. it. It sort of folded or got bought up or something. Uh, new editor, uh, Richard Turley, came in. He's down as the editorial director, but he's, he's obviously kind of overseeing visual things mm-hmm. as well. Uh, if not only that, I, I don't know. Maybe he's doing both. Um, I just... I, it's not a magazine that I would ever be able to make, but I I love it and I think it's just, you know, so it's it's more. Of, I mean, it's an extraordinary shape. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just an amazing <laughs> thing to to hold. I don't know. Even I don't think there's anything else that shape 
in media. The scale, yeah. The scale yeah. is just really weird. The paper's weird. But it really works. And all the features are really short, and yet they're kind of really impactful because the page is big and it opens up into this big kind of like, almost like AO kind of size. Um, great photography, illustration. They seem to not really care about what a page ends up looking mm -hmm. like, which I think is part of the... Uh, the magic of doing magazines and I think when you lose that that's when things start to go a bit mm -hmm. um, a bit wrong so they've got that sense of play kind of happening um, a lot you know some pages they seem to willfully make kind of ugly which I think is an interesting thing unless that's just me no, no well, well <laughs> it's a, a typical it. Richard Turley isn't it that yeah. sort of that ambiguity between ugliness and yeah. somehow it becomes beautiful in somehow, his hands but yeah. it and yet you can't quite analyse it to figure out how they do yeah. it. Yeah, and it's that that almost flippancy, I, I think, makes great magazines sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just it, love it. And, you know, they'll interview, like, um, a, a sort of French intellectual and put them in Celine or, like, a Paul Smith jacket and mm -hmm. interview them by somebody from Hollywood. And I think I love those kind of matching, mismatching yeah. almost people together. Yeah. I, th I think that's just awesome. Which is its origins, of course, in terms of uh, the Andy Warhol original interview. Totally. It was a celebrity interview. I mean, he, he just turned there. He's got Jennifer Anst uh, Aniston interviewed by Sandra Bullock. Both really interesting women. I'm sure this is a fantastically erudite um, interview as well as just being really fun. Yeah, it goes on. Look at that. It's probably the longest thing in the issue. Um, love it. Love the magazine. And Holiday. I also picked out Holiday. Another big magazine. Another big magazine. More... Um, it's not serious. Yeah, I guess it's not. Well, everything's serious compared to interview, let's face it. But I think Holiday is just ridiculously beautiful. The, the paper is probably the best paper I've ever seen. Uh, all the, the photography is just off the chart. It's what we said we'd always do with Port. You know, if a story demands to be 50 pages, we'll give it 50 pages. But we, we never actually have the content to make a story that long. It's, <laughs> you know, you need a lot of content to, to, to do 50 pages. But Holiday pulls it off sometimes. And it's just beautiful. It's a, it's um, there's an ease to it as well that where you know so the typesetting is sometimes very classic. It's very kind of egoist, first manifestations mm -hmm. of that, and then and then they'll just have some handwritten text for a, a fashion shoot. And yeah, it, it's just very old school, um, and it's and it's done to to a level that I've I've not seen elsewhere really ever. But that's the secret, isn't it? I mean, I think it's it's. it's Compared to what the other magazines, particularly interview that, that we've been looking at, it is very old school in its attention to detail and art direction and care and use of space. And if you're going to do that, you've got to have the material. You have to have the photography and the space and the ability to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, in a way, to an extent, when we started <clears throat> Port, we, you know, we tried to, to, to kind of... Well, and, and I think to a degree, we, we sort of pulled it off, but to, to kind of amalgamate those kind of old school um, New York Times magazine, uh, New Yorker, National Geographic um, layouts and, and vibes. But when you're when you're doing it on on the scale that Holiday are doing it, with with the history that Holiday has as well as being this kind of amazingly successful magazine mm -hmm. from the '50s in America, um, yeah, you need you need a bigger team and you, and you need lots of um, backing i guess i don't know i love it and i i mean look at i'm just looking at a page with a woman in a in a in a green suit with a sort of orangey yellow hat and it's just it's just jumping off the page like she's in the room and it's i, I don't even it's know timeless. how you get yeah, yeah it's timeless yeah, yeah. Now, i'm really intrigued that the three magazines you've picked on are all highly art directed highly designed magazines because it relates to what you do with port i mean i think 
We, we should credit um, Veronica Ditting for The Gentlewoman. We've already mentioned Richard Turley and his yep. team for interview, and Frank Durand for, for Holiday. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to Port Magazine, uh, the one that we're here to feature, you, you uh, are working again full time with Matt Willey. Yep. Um, yep. Who you. To go back in history to the beginnings, the origins of the magazines, it was originally you, uh, Matt, and... Um, and Kusha. And Kusha Swara. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we began it. It was a somewhat different magazine back then. It was <clears throat> quarterly, and, and now it's just twice a year and it's bigger. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's a tricky one. We we just like like design, but we don't like it there for the sake of it. So I think Matt's doing a really great job in just making something look a bit different. And interesting for for every issue. We, um, unlike um, the magazines that we've been just talking about, the next issue report is going to be quite different. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. it's like we're always redesigning it. We don't have any rules. It's we just kind of need it to look uh, interesting. Is, is is that partly from the point of view of keeping yourself interested? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think in a way that when Fantastic Man changed, I kind of really got that because. You know, Fantastic Man for for a long while was one of my favourite magazines, and you know these magazines come and go in terms of one's favourites and all that kind of stuff. But um, you do get a bit, you know, not bored is the wrong word, but you do think, well, why why not try something else? You know, you you can have a favourite meal, and if you eat it for a month, um, it no longer has that position. So I think for for us, it's just about doing something different. And you know, we're working on some covers for the next issue. We've got three covers, and mm-hmm. perhaps we can alight upon that conversation later but um it's not really going to look like a magazine cover at all uh-huh. and uh-huh. and we're in a lucky position where we we're not owned by anyone so if we want to make it look like a poster or a pamphlet uh where it might have less impact in the marketplace mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can do that as i alluded to it's the 25th issue is what i'm looking at and when you're already well into the 26th and planning the 26th issue but it, but across those 25 issues the magazine has changed an awful lot already i mean it started off very directly as labelling itself as a, as, a, as a men's magazine. Yeah. And, and you've moved on from that now. Yeah, we moved on from that. We, we, we started out at the very beginning labelling ourselves the intelligent magazine for men because we wanted to... Because we had to be very specific, and, and that's the hard thing about launching something. You need to be specific, and, and perhaps you're not quite specific enough in the world at that point of launching to, to be specific. So it's a bit of a conundrum, but um, we wanted to convey the fact that maybe we were going to be a bit more thoughtful than some of the other uh, men's magazines out there. Um, and since then, we kind of dropped that. I think we dropped that on issue two, actually. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It just seemed a bit kind of up ourselves, and it's like, well, let them decide whether we come across as being intelligent and, and nuanced or not. And, and maybe we're not. Maybe we're just a bunch of, you know indulgent idiots so we got rid of that and um and then when we moved on from the quarterly format we, we kind of did for the first time ever some research into who's actually buying this because we didn't know and um it was men and women you know mm-hmm. it wasn't just a bunch of guys in brogues it was all sorts of people all sorts of ages um you know mostly 20s and 30s but a lot of 40s and 50s and it was men and women and it was slightly more men than women so we've essentially in terms of business our, uh most of our revenue comes from advertising most of that's men's advertising because our fashion is mm-hmm. uh, men's fashion men's credits but we d- we have started shooting women's uh fashion um i think for us at the moment it was just I- including more editorial with women's um stories just made a lot more sense over the past few issues so that's what we've done and there's also i mean with that there's a sense that certainly on the front covers uh, but the design generally is sort of freed up as you said it's, it's more freeform now 
it's, it feels looser in a good way. Yeah, well, Kusha, um, who's a brilliant Kusha Swara now at the Telegraph Group, he um, he worked more on the inside of the magazine for the first um, ten issues, and then Matt around that time went to the New York Times, I guess, mm-hmm. about five years ago, and the Kusha stayed on, and then um, and then Kusha went fully to the uh, Telegraph, and Matt then came back to to work on the f- the front covers and the inside of the magazine so Matt used to only do the inside I mean the the covers and Kushar I suppose his natural sort of um position with design is a lot more Swiss design a lot more calm considered sort of balanced um and Matt is um he does whatever he fancies depending on how much wine and coffee he's he's got <laughs> had and uh, you know he's I love working with Matt he's got great taste we we're very much on the same page about stuff and I never really know what to expect, which I, just me personally, I kind of really, really love that. And mm-hmm. it really kind of helps me get excited about projects. And how does it work with Matt? Because he's in Brooklyn. Yeah. Work, he, he, yeah. Even though he's left, he's left the New York Times now, but he's yeah. working at Pentagram. Yeah. How do you kind of keep that fruitful relationship going online and down the, down the phone? Um. <sighs> yeah well i mean it is that's exactly what it is it's sending obnoxious rude horrible hurtful texts Uh, that's what matt does to me um most of the time and i'll try and um defend myself and and be (laughs) mature back but it's yeah it's talking on the phone it's emailing a lot um and um we i don't know we i think we're very comfortable in where we're where i mean we do have bumpy bits you know we're working on a new project at the moment and it's hard to find the time and headspace for that but um there's a wonderful woman called sophie dutton who puts the magazine together uh, london mm-hmm. and then matt kind of comes in and works on pages with her and then we kind of talk over the phone so we just use the internet we use um you know facetime and google dropbox and it's really easy actually. and presumably the longevity of your working relationship helps i mean you, because you're you're you've worked together um don't say it, but let's not, let's well, not, I'm not say it. I'm not going to count it years, but it, goes, it predates Port magazine. So, yeah, because uh, you, you first met working on Zembla. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you seen a copy? Not recently? for a long time. I've bought one along. <laughs> I don't know. Have a well, flick. I don't know if that's it's, it's issue six, which isn't the earliest of okay. it. But, um, God. It's the one yeah. with Jimi Hendrix on the cover. Wow. Um, First anniversary issue. Yeah, well, so Matt, I, I, uh, this is the, my second magazine, Zembla, that I approached Vince Frost to be the creative director of. And when I went to meet with Vince, having no idea about what Zembla would be, um, I'm, Matt was working in his studio. Uh, and I liked them both enormously. And, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Matt in Vince's studio at the weekends, kind of going through literally hundreds of different cover concepts and mm-hmm. um and story ideas and uh, as you've probably noticed no no there's no format there's no system there really i mean zembler there really was no there really, system was no there? no <laughs> it, was, it was um you know each spread was different and and not looking like anything else so um yeah it was a brilliant brilliant project to work on and uh, i was really pleased to meet work with vince and, and meet matt it was wonderful um so 25 issues of port now um the current one has two front covers and I'm interested to pick up on this idea of these kind of uh, alternative front covers, which has become such a thing recently. Um, I mean, the, the current one has it had a Ed Norton uh, on the one cover and Maya Hawk uh, and Maya Hawk on the yeah. other one. And yeah. does that does that feed into the the men and women's market? In the, is, well, kind I of. I mean, that? no, kind of. What's not really happening here? To, to be 
brutally honest. What's not happening is that we're being really, really clever with our marketing. That's not what, uh -huh. that's, that's not happening. What is happening is that there's various forces coming into play commercially, and we see what we can do with those uh, issues in a creative way within the bounds of what we think is reasonable or not. So, for example, um, you know, we carry advertising inside the magazine and an advertiser might say, look, we, we're really happy to, to advertise with you, but we'd really like a cover shoot, which is fine. You know, it's fine to have that conversation. And quite normal. And quite normal as well. And we will say something like, well, yeah, OK, we'll consider that. But what we won't do is... I think any more covers than three or maybe four it depends because sometimes the fashion um, brand or a brand might just say well what about this person and this person is interesting to us it's, it's somebody that we wouldn't normally have thought of and I adore being taken in, in that different direction and for me that's that would be a definite yes but I, I know there's some magazines out there that do like eight or nine covers yeah. and I, I just can't emotionally get I just don't care enough about magazine design to do that there, there was a, <coughs> something that got picked up on Twitter just uh, a couple of weeks back, and they're just, you know, asking why why did people do, run so many covers? And clearly, you've identified one commercial reason. If you could, it, it can help spread the load in terms of getting, getting advertisers a mention and, and such like, which is yeah. Um, but it does sometimes feel, you know, going back to the kind of timeless magazines that we were referring to. That you know, you can look back on classic issues of things that we grew up with, whether it be the face or whatever, and think, well, there was that cover, that yeah. new order cover, or this cover, or that, and somehow by watering that down, you you know, there is a danger that you end up with the kind of. So who was on the cover of that issue? Well, actually, there yeah. were three or four but or I think, nine. I or... think that issue resolves itself because, the, unfortunately, the magazines that are doing those multiple covers are, aren't going to be those magazines that create those iconic yeah. covers, well, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think in terms of magazines, I mean, um, it, is, it is basically a commercial thing, apart from perhaps when um, you mentioned Cindy Sherman. Mm -hmm doing a two covers on um, well that was one of the points i made in, in, in on this in twitter, tweet twitter yeah. discussion about those front covers yeah. sometimes there's a there's a point to it and the gentlewoman yeah. did feature cindy sherman and they had her as her and then yeah. they had her yeah. as a male character and that was a really clever use of the idea yeah. it, it added up to more than the sum of its parts if you liked yeah. it added yeah uh, i mean it's part of the, the the kind of ongoing attack on content and disintegration of um sort of safe safe narratives the the idea of the magazine cover was always that's the magazine cover and it's still really powerful you know you can you can be having a conversation with somebody and say look can you write for my magazine and they'll be like no i'm so busy and then you can say well we'll put you on the cover mm -hmm. and they'll go hmm well maybe i can <laughs> because yeah, it's still yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got this iconic cultural kind of thing but but it is yeah it is being eroded a bit but it but it is luckily just a commercial thing and these mm -hmm. things essentially can so, be discussed so in, that in way. terms of you uh, and port doing multiple covers does that does it worry you that there aren't going to be there isn't a definitive issue cover for 25 for issue 25 not really because because working with matt um uh, the, the the reason why i like working with them so much is that each one is a, a bit um, everything is a bit is a bit different so each cover, so so the uh, Edward Norton cover is very different to the Mayor Hawke cover. The, in fact, the next um, the next issue we're doing, which is as, as I said, a few covers. I think it's going to be three covers. We're going to make them look very not like a magazine cover, and it mm -hmm. might. I, th I think Matt wants to make them all like fit together or or something. But even if uh -huh. you don't have to buy them all, but they're just going to look very different. And I think doing it in a way that brings something to the conversation, something to the conversation about magazine covers. 
if you're doing a multiple cover, I think that's just fun. I think that's great. But if it's just like, there's cover number one, there's the fashion mm-hmm. critics, there's cover number two, it's this person, there's the fashion critics, he's number three. It just gets a bit like yawny and it's like, yeah, why? Yeah, who, yeah, who cares, yeah. really? And it is, it is kind of watering them down a bit because there's, there's three covers all the same. Yeah. So how can it not? Uh, so you've got the 26th issue well underway, clearly. I'm looking forward to finding out more about that. But you're yeah. also working on another project, a new magazine. Yeah. What, what, are you able to talk about that? Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I haven't really mentioned it before, but um, it's called Ink, uh, I-N-Q-U-E. Mm-hmm. And the idea, in a way, came from me and Matt. Cause we tend to complain a lot to each other about um, <laughs> stuff. And um, I suppose we we love we love working on magazines, and it's hard to put into words why. But part of it is coming up with ideas in a pub or over lunch, and then tr- and then producing it. It's, it's like we're producers, and making these things happen is is hugely um, gratifying and, and, and beautiful as well. If you get to learn other stuff, so it was finding out all the things we loved about port. And we figured out the things that we didn't love so much, mm-hmm. and so it, the things that we love are. Um, you know, design, literature, not having to rush, not having deadlines, <laughs> not having uh, loads of staff. Having lunch. Having, having lunch, having more lunch, yeah. And uh, not really having anyone, even, so it, I mean, I run port, but there's still lots of lots of things I've got to do in order to, to keep it all kind of running and pay everyone and stuff. And um, and that's that's great. And I love port. Um but doing this new magazine, Inc., I have no idea what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. All I know is that there's going to be 10 issues, not more, mm-hmm. not not less. Uh, one issue a year, uh, 2021 to 2030. Uh-huh. And it's going to be a literary magazine of, of sorts, but be very, very visual. It's going to be very large format, like Twen or Holiday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, is its roots in Zembla or...? Kind of. I mean, it, it's in a way, it's what I wanted to do with Zembla. It's going to be very similar. There's going to be things like uh, the Dead interview, getting a living author to mm-hmm. interview a dead literary hero. There's going to be... Um, I've asked Jonathan Latham, the the author, to, um, to like, write a, a novel throughout starting in issue one and then ending in issue 10. So that, you know, very, uh-huh. in a way, traditional things, you know, Dick, this is how Dickens got his, his work mm-hmm. out initially. Um, Those are weekly, weren't they? Yeah, they were weekly, <laughs> if, a, if not different, uh, daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so different. Yeah, we're trying to slow things down, man. Yeah. <laughs> slow journalism is the yeah, slowest. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's part of it as well. You know, make it a book. You know, it's, it's going to, it, it is actually, I, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but it, it's format wise, it's going to be like a big magazine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and what I found, because we've been working on this for, for actually a shockingly long time, about four years off and on, we've been talking about mm-hmm. it. And suddenly things just started clicking together. We're doing a Kickstarter campaign because apparently it's a great way to get a, a sort of base of people who are really into this behind it. And, it. and it's just a nice kind of feeling having people that are kind of saying, yes, we'd like, I mean, maybe no one will like the idea of it and, and we won't do it via Kickstarter, in which case we'll figure out another way of doing it. Um, yeah, there's going to be an art print in every issue signed by mm-hmm. an art, a great photographer or an artist. Uh, very opinionated writing, re- just very, very great writing. And a lot of people who have said no to me in the past for port um, have said yes mm-hmm. to, to do this. And I, I think partly it's because of the the freedom and the lack of commercial, you know, it's like an art, it's like a 10-year art project. It, yeah, well, it, does, it reminds me of things like Aspen. 
yeah, uh, yeah, yeah sort yeah. of you know nice the, yeah that, that kind of thing from the yeah. 60s sort of real special everything everything is bespoke da, da, da. everything's yeah. bespoke or verve where yeah, you have yeah. like actual artists creating artwork for it which mm-hmm. will be at a show somewhere um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie is uh, editing the the African fiction in it uh-huh. so I really like the idea of kind of having like something like um, Chimamanda's fiction choice next to a new emerging writer from Denmark or or like Kate Tempest is um doing something and that being next to some lyrics by Tom, Tom Waits is writing yeah. something for the yeah. for the launch issue and I just like having that kind of mixture of you know great content great design and absolutely no um requirements elsewhere so if we wanted to you know make it 57 pages or 157 pages it's it's fine you know there's no oh and the other thing that annoyed us is the cost of distribution uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. that really annoys me I, I don't make any money selling issues of port which i just think is a bizarre thing considering how much it costs to make if we sell issues in america or anywhere for that matter apart from here um <laughs> we um we, we don't get money back from that I yeah, think yeah it's yeah, peculiar yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're going to be selling in about five five places right. globally uh-huh. uh here will be one of them i hope so and your amazing store but the rest will be direct uh-huh. so if people yeah, want yeah. it they will have to go to the website and uh, subscribe to a copy and it won't be available online unless people mm-hmm. post pictures of it which we won't do i guess I, but i guess in, in a sense you, you've built that platform through zembler and port that allows you to do this yeah yeah i guess i, I feel quite strongly that there's an audience for it mm-hmm. and that through the work that matt and i have done we seem to sort of give each other the confidence to <clears throat> to go in in certain directions which i i mean i wouldn't be asking stephen king to write about um you know gardening for ink unless i thought that we could make it look good and make it be an interesting thing so um yeah we've got a platform i think it just depends on how big that platform is and how much it wants another magazine well there's only one way to find out <laughs> so good luck with that thank you back uh, before we let uh, Dan Crow the editor of uh, Port disappear on to get on with all his projects uh, I have one last magazine I want to highlight to you and that's yep. the latest issue of MacGuffin okay. uh, which is as ever is all about one thing and in this issue 8 it's all about the desk and they have a series of shots that reveal the contents of various magazine editors desk nice. drawers yeah. Some some of them seem more genuine than others, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, but, there, but there's an interesting range of stuff, and I just wondered what's in your drawer. Ooh, what, 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 what's the vital kit? Because you have to organise yourself. And the vital kit. Yeah. Um, I suppose the honest answer is um, obviously laptop. I've got a fountain pen, which I, I love using mm-hmm. um, ink. Still, uh, I've got loads of notebooks. I can never alight upon one. I can never go through a notebook one at a time. I've got all my notes spread across like five notebooks. I've got noise cancelling earphones, which are very important for me. Um, sort of favourite books that I never seem to actually read anymore but I love having around me uh, that include um, Life for Users Manual by George Parrick and Mm -hmm. Pale Fire by Nabokov I just every time I open up a page it's like magic Um, some some extraordinary bizarre word combination and it just makes me feel better about everything i know that sounds really pompous but it's but it's um i love i just love looking at them and and, and this is uh, is there a port hq there is yes yeah, at somerset house oh, okay 
And, and I've got to admit, I don't have a desk at there. The, the desks are held by people who do proper work, uh, putting the magazine together. And um, I usually do that, bizarrely, I suppose, on someone else's computer, looking over their shoulder, saying stuff to mm-hmm. them. But the, yeah, the port, the port HQ is, is, is in a wonderful space in Somerset House, and it's just very kind of um, work-oriented. It's not, it's not like a, a, a snazzy magazine office. Very, very down-to-earth. <laughs> That's what my desk is. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Earlier this month, we held our first event of the new year at the Mag Culture Shop. This is a new series of events that we're going to be running on a bi-monthly basis where each time we feature a particular subject and this first one was We Love Sport and we had two guests. We had Dan Sanderson who's one of the founders of Monday on Magazine, the football mag, and Ro Jackson who recently launched the first print edition of her women's sports magazine, Slow. They joined us to present their new issues, then afterwards joined a group discussion with the audience looking at sports magazines in the world of publishing. I asked them why they felt there was a demand for their magazines when there's so much other sport coverage out there. Whether it's boring or not, like we all, I, I consume it. You know what I mean? I want to, I'm keeping an eye on my United score tonight. I want to know how people are doing and stuff like that. But I can do that in five seconds. Mm-hmm. And for me, it started off as like, well, I want something to read on a train or I want something to kind of not be on my phone and not be having something right now. I want something that's going to take longer. So that's where we pitched ourselves and, and there's lots of people who do that as well. That's not a unique idea. Um, but if you can get all of that information so instantly, then the, the, the only thing you can do is to do something slower. And we've purposefully gone, we're going to do the opposite of that and there'll definitely be an audience for it because football's the biggest, the biggest sport on the planet. It's not, people don't just con- consume it in one way. Mm-hmm. Like def- I definitely want to know scores and I definitely want to know how many assists Trent Alexander-Arnold's got, but I also want to know where he's from and mm-hmm. and why it's so interesting that there's a young scouts in a Liverpool team and, and who was his favourite player when he grew up and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I guess for women's sport, there was so clearly so many stories not being told, but I think I started to look at it a bit differently because at first I was super, I think from like 2012 to 2017, I was just pissed off that no one was doing mm-hmm. it and I was just like... They have all of the resource. Why wouldn't you do it? That's so annoying. And then I think I started to think like, well, actually, if I want that, and I think other people do, then it's only going to change when someone who wants it makes it. And it's only going to be the best kind of thing that I want if someone like me makes it. I actually don't care anymore that like a lot of traditional media don't cover it in the right ways because I kind of feel like you don't have to because people are going to start to make that and people are going to start to like make that really good stuff. And actually, eventually, you would have missed out on that. So I think, yeah, I just kind of started to think about it like, <coughs> actually, why shouldn't it be on me? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be on them. I yeah. think that, that's quite an interesting point, is what we started, our idea at the start, we wanted to make a magazine for our, us and our mates. And with the faith that there'd be other friendship groups and then other parts of culture and other parts of society who were like us and our mates... And luckily there was, and I think I think you know with lim- within limitations that's the same for anything, right? If you and your mates are into something, you've got kind of a friendship group who love are really passionate about one thing. There'll be other people in the world who are, who are well into that thing. You'll buy into what you're doing mm-hmm. if you do it properly and you do it with with passion. Mm-hmm. You talked about making lots and lots of mistakes. Yeah. What would you, what were the things that you did right? 
Um, <laughs> I, mean, part, I mean, so you, you talked talk about uh, addressing your mates. That's the that's yeah, you, so. yeah. We, we asked we asked for help pretty late, pretty early doors. Mm-hmm. We went to brands and we kind of were cheeky. I suppose that was something we were, we were really good at. Like, can we speak to that footballer? No. Okay. Can we speak to a less good footballer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Like that's a starting point. Um, but that's something. If you ask, what did we do well? We were just like, we were never like. No, we won't work with like we won't no work with brands. This needs to be pure. It was like mm-hmm. football has brands involved. Like that's a big part of our lives. Like if you look at the nineteen eighty six World Cup, the Coca Cola brand and all around the pitch is part of the sentiments. Uh, Diego Maradona wearing Puma Kings. That's all part of the story of football. It's probably gone too far, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like if you can, be, we we always like well, I'd, you know we had a Copper Mundial feature in the first one there a huge part of football history it's a brand thing mm-hmm. but it's part of football history maybe maybe sports pacer on an Everton shirt isn't but like we need, we were always keen to play that game is, is what I'm saying which is what we did well there was never um, a reluctance for us to be like well we'll just get Sadio regardless of new bonds because <laughs> that's just naive yeah. over to you guys is there any questions for our guests Moving forward, I think maybe you do already, but do you think there's room for women's football in the publication? Oh yeah, we've we've had women's football from the from oh, the right. start. We we had Tony Duggan on the cover of our second issue. We've we've kind of had women's footballers throughout the whole thing. We don't, we we can definitely do more. Like hundred percent, we can do more. Eighty percent of our covers have been men, so like that's a, that's a problem that we need to address. And we know that we don't do enough, so we're we're trying to strike that balance. What we do try and do is we try and elevate. Other, other women's voices within the game who are definitely more up on what's happening in women's football understand the challenges that face women within the game better than I do so we work closely with this fan girl and Victoria Park Vixens and people like that to be like can you tell that story because if I just do it it just seems super disingenuous thank you right. okay. and I think a really motivating thing about making magazines is the potential like who can we put on the next cover mm-hmm. who can be the next star <clears throat> so I'm just curious who are your dream Cover stars. Oh God, so many. I wanted Dina Asher Smith originally because when I first made it, she was just like starting to go like this, and then by the time I actually got to the point where I could get a cover, it was like, oh, she's just been on L actually. So, (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think it would be cool to. I think um, I didn't want to have a women's women's footballer. I don't want to have a footballer on the cover of my women's sport magazine because uh, it felt like that had been done just the tiniest bit more, but I would really like to do a football cover um, in the future, yeah. Um, Sadio Mane? <laughs> that's, just, that's just me, though. Um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a mad one for us. We had, we had Pirlo really early on, which was like... he was His autobiography was in the first issue, as you saw, so he was like... The Mundial footballer, because he had the winery <laughs> and was like <laughs> quite cool and lazy. We've moved moved slightly away from that, and to be to be brutally honest, when we put a footballer on the cover, it stops selling magazines because football's so tribal. So like these don't sell well in Manchester, for example. We had John Stones on the cover in an in an England shirt, and more copies came back from Scotland than went there. <laughs> like <laughs> so, it's it's really hard because we want to do that we wanted to like all the magazines we grew up reading put the biggest star on the cover and got an amazing interview with them and we do it every now and again so Hector um, Rahim Sadio but like 
Man United fans aren't going to buy a magazine with, with Raheem Sterling on the front. <laughs> like, or with Sadio Mane on the front. And it, that's madness, isn't it? <laughs> but, like, but it's, it's a real consideration for us. So when we do a feature on Marseille, and it's got like a really cool photo of Marseille in a football pitch, it's just neutral enough to be like, I love football, I'll buy that, I love travel, I want to go, go out and experience that. So they perform a lot better. But we have to do this because this is, this is important and it's important to, to, to try and push that agenda, but it sells less, which, is the bot, which isn't the bottom line, actually. But it's, it's, it's a line that we need to tread. That's a clip from a discussion after our last event here on the 20th of February featuring Dan Sanderson and Roe Jackson. Thank you both of them for joining us. London Printers Park Communications are a key part of the independent publishing scene, helping ambitious magazine makers make their dreams a reality. As well as helping you achieve the highest creative standards, Park are fully committed to helping you produce your magazine in the most environmentally friendly and sustainable manner. Check their new website for details. Search Park Communications. Just like MagCulture, Park love magazines and we're proud to have them sponsor this podcast. So as ever, we end the podcast with a look at a back issue from the, the Mag Culture Archives. And I've been saving this one up for some time because it was a particular favourite of, of mine from the, uh, for the sort of 2006, 2008 or so. Um, it came from uh, Finland, from Helsinki, and it was a magazine called Casino A4, which uh, around about this time I was working for a, a, a Finnish client and uh, the the magazine seemed to encapsulate the the Finnish character in its in its uh, bold uh, sort of assertion that of, of this is aggressive melancholy. There's a particular melancholy to the Finnish, and, and the magazine um, presents it beautifully. One of the things they ran each issue. I've got a couple of examples here. Was empty sheet where they would ask six people of the same social group to present their drawings of a single idea. One features six Somalian men, uh, migrants who, li- who are living in Finland, to draw their idea of winter. And so we have six very different drawings, ranging from skiing to snow and just words. And then, by contrast, we uh, six Finnish grandmothers drew summer as an idea. It's a beautiful, simple editorial idea, which it, it still feels very, very topical and relevant um, today. Another project which sums up the magazine and the team's mindset was a. Uh, a series of photographs taken by an unnamed person of all the uh, bedrooms in hotels that they stayed in during a certain period. And it just is a, it's actually something I've longed to do. I've, I, I travel quite a bit and I end up in these random hotel rooms and the random decorations and bedspreads and all these kind of different things you have. And it, it's just a lovely set of real life. And again, it could be timeless. It, it, it could be in any magazine now, but this is from 13 years ago. There were only ever 10 issues of this magazine and in, in, across those 10 issues they made a real mark on me in terms of how a magazine can um, expose and present a very particular character. These couldn't be more different to some of the other magazines we heard about earlier uh, in this podcast. Things like Interview the Gentleman, uh, Port Magazine, a big, bold, uh, fantastic photography, extraordinary design, etc. The, these are all much more zine-like but still have a huge piece of character that reflect their makers in a very 
um, engaging and fascinating way and I've never quite seen anything quite like it since and I'm not sure we ever will but if you can track some of these down we'll put some on the website um, they're a very special set of magazines so that concludes episode 18 of our podcast thanks very much to Dan Crow for joining us you'll hear more from him at our flat plan masterclass later this month on Sunday the 15th so check online for ticket availability at the time of recording there were tickets they might have gone by now but that's a whole day of inspiration for anybody looking to launch their own magazine also coming up soon uh, we'll be announcing the second of our we love nights so uh, keep an eye on the on the website for details of that uh, and the same applies for our, the new york edition of our mag culture live conference which will be confirmed very shortly thank you for listening mm-hmm.